Today's advanced training. Four basics of recruiting. This is not a new topic. <laughs> it's a topic I love talking about. Matter of fact, last year, everywhere I traveled in the country, I taught four basics of recruiting. It was not, uh, it was, uh, it's very well rehearsed at this point. Um, but um, it's important to talk about. Uh, and there's, there's a real reason why right? So th there are two ways of making money with us. There's sales and there's, there's uh, building an override income through the form of an agency. Uh, there are two different ways. Now, not everybody wants to build an agency uh, and that's fine. You have the freedom. I, I love what we've created in this 20 years is that you have the freedom to do and be and have whatever it is you want to do, be and have, right? If you, if you want to just have a little part-time income here, that's great. If you want to challenge the, the, the great producers uh, to, to be, to replace them as number one or number two or number 10, uh, that's great. Uh, you have that place here. Uh, but if you want to build a business, you also have that opportunity. And I don't want to turn my back on that. So there are real important reasons though, why I teach the four basics of recruiting. Here's an observation. Uh, one of my favorite authors, speakers is a guy named Andy Andrews. He's got a lot of great books out there. Uh, I subscribe to his podcast. His podcast is just, when I listen to it, people call in or, or email in questions that are about life. And he's just like, he's, he's re responding. He's got such wisdom. And I, I feel like I've learned so much uh, just listening to him. But one of his books is called The Noticer. I encourage you to read it. His books are typically books that are stories. They're not uh, lessons there, you know, the, like, like a, a bullet pointed kind of thing. They, they are stories and there's, there's lessons that you learn out of the stories, but the noticer and, and in reading the book, I, I feel like I'm not to the extent that he describes, but I am, I am a noticer. I'm someone who notices things. Um, some might even label it as OCD, but uh, <laughs> whatever it may be, uh, it's who I am. And an observation I've made in 20 years of building this business is this. When recruiting goes up, production goes up. As recruiting goes, so goes production. Write that one down. As recruiting goes, so goes production. So if recruiting goes up, production goes up. Well, Fitz, I don't really want to recruit. I just want to sell. Okay. But if you recruit, production will go up. <laughs> what? How's that? I don't, I don't know. Like I, I got a thousand explanations. I don't know that any one of them is absolutely a hundred percent accurate and correct. I just have seen it happen. I've seen people who were okay. Personal producers start to recruit and their production goes up and they go, how'd that happen? I, I don't know. A theory I have about it though is, is, uh, is came about after hearing somebody ask Heather a question once in a conference, they said, you know, Heather's been, uh, since we had our first child, she's been the primary caregiver at home and has stepped out of the day-to-day the -day roles in the office. Uh, she's got, I don't want her job. So let's not, let's be clear about that. Um, she, she's great at that. Let, let do it. But um, they've, they've said, Hey, if you were to go back to the office and work full-time in the office, what would you do? And I heard Heather one time say, I'd recruit. I go, what? You hated recruiting when we were in the office. I mean, that was one of the things that we switched up. I hated doing pending. You hated doing recruiting. We, we, we traded and I started doing the recruiting. I love it. And you love the pending. It was all good. 
how, why would you recruit now? She said, well, back in the day, when we were getting the business off the ground. I didn't know this was going to work. It hadn't worked for us. Certainly hadn't worked for anybody we were helping. So I didn't really feel honest in recruiting. I said, but you had no problem telling people it was going to work. I don't know if she was saying I was dishonest, but, but I believed it was going to work. I mean, to me, it was math. Like I'd go out and make a sale and make 500 bucks. If I make four of those, I'll make $2,000. Like this is math. Of course it's going to work. Math always does. But, but the difference now is she would recruit now because she, it's not only worked for us, but there's hundreds, if not thousands of people that we've seen it work for as well. And so she believes it. So if you're um, out there selling, and then you're telling somebody else about it, you're more convincing that this is going to work because you're selling and making money. And then the more you tell other people about what we do, the, 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 the more convinced you are that it works too. And so then your production gets better. There's one theory I got. I got 999 more. We'll just stop with that one. Okay. But here's, a, here's the next observation. Recruiting goes down. What's production do? Production goes down. As recruiting goes, so goes production. Now, production goes up. What does recruiting do? No, that's the question. I, I get, I, I mean, everywhere across the country, I've had hundreds of people see this presentation and they always say the same thing. Production going up, there's no prediction what recruiting is going to do. We've not seen production predict recruiting. It's recruiting predicts production. And when I say that, if you take the line graph uh, uh, over, over time of like 20 years of recruiting and 20 years of production, you got to take away the values because you may run 100,000 volume, but you're not going to do 100,000 recruits in a month. You know, so it, but take away the values. Just take the line graphs and superimpose them over top of each other. What you'll see is what happens in recruiting soon after happens in production. So if production is going up, there's absolutely zero indication of what recruiting is going to do. Matter of fact, sometimes production going up and recruiting is going down is a head fake. When this is happening, when production is going up, but recruiting is coming down, it's a head fake because we're excited about production. Why are we excited about production going up? Because that's how we get paid. So production going up means commissions are going up and everybody's happy when commissions are going up. But, but here's the thing, if it's not supported with recruiting, we will see it come back down. It'll be a market correction. You know, when all the experts are saying, why is the stock market up? I don't know. I was in a seminar back last year and they said, why does the market go up and down? I said, Twitter. <laughs> Twitter makes it happen. Somebody tweets something, the market goes up. Somebody tweets something else, the market comes back down. But, but reality with what we're doing, that if the recruiting is not going up, the production will eventually correct and come back down as well. And that's not good. So, production going up, but recruiting going down, it's a head fake. Everybody's happy, but there is a time bomb coming just around the corner. And if you've been at this a while, you know it, right? Now, here's another one. If recruiting stays, is, is level, is flat, what's production? Flat. Exactly right. So now it, it could plateau at like, you know, a million a month issue paid. <laughs> That's pretty good money. It's, it's not a bad place to be stuck right? Unless being stuck isn't what you feel like you're called to be in life, but you're called to grow and expand the borders, right? And so if, if you, eventually you reach your own capacity, eventually if, if you're focused on recruiting, you get your recruiting up, maybe you're getting 10, 15, 20 people a month personally that you're hiring on board. Our record is 101, you know, in a month that we recruited, we're responsible, Joanne, we're responsible for 101 recruits in a month. That's incredible. But if along the way, if I'm not teaching other people, if you're not teaching other people on your team to also do the same, eventually you reach your capacity and you're done. 
And so in order to grow at that point, now you have to empower others and get these other pockets also recruiting. That's how you can recruit beyond your capacity and your production will expand beyond your capacity. Just making sense? This, this is key. So Fitz, why do you teach recruiting everywhere you go? Because it predicts production and I like getting paid. Don't you? So that's what I, if not, I don't know what we're doing here. Right? So this is just an observation I made over the years and it just, it just time and time again proves to be true again. Well, Fitz, I, you don't know, I, my production's up right now, but recruiting's down. Okay, well, just wait. <laughs> it'll, it'll correct eventually. So we're going to go through the four basics of recruiting. These four basics, listen, this is, I've said it before, and I really believe if you're not somewhat bored in this business, you're not probably not doing something right. Because uh, there's only so many basics. I remember Mr. Trainum when I was a kid, used to say to me, son, you can mess up a rock fight. He didn't say mess up, he, he, but he, he didn't keep it G-rated for me. But, um, but I remember thinking as a kid, like, how do you screw up a rock fight? You just throw rocks at each other. Like, that's a really simple fight. You just, eee! you know, and then I got it. And one day it just dawned on me and I realized what he was saying. And it's been sort of a mission since find something simple to do and don't screw it up. We sell life insurance. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Either they're alive or not. You know, you only die once. If you die twice, that's fraud. Like it's all, it's all really simple. So what I've found in this business is I've been complicated in this business and, and I find myself saying, I'm just going to get back to the basics and I go back to the basics and then I do the basics and it starts working and I start getting complicated again. And eventually uh, let's go back to the basics. These are the basics of building a team that I'm showing you today. It starts with a list of names. Now, if you're an anal note taker, I am going to dive deep on each one of these. So I, like some speakers, I'll write down all their notes and they go, now back to number one. Ah, oh, I didn't leave space, which is why I now type my notes because then I can go back up and enter, enter, enter and create space. I'm going to list them out and I'm going to dive on each one of them. List of names, phone call, interview, and follow up properly. These are the four basics of recruiting. Phone call, you, we, we call that checking interest. It may not be a phone call, maybe a text. But we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Okay, so start with the list of names. The list of names is a working document, meaning it, it's not static, it's dynamic. It's constantly changing. You're adding people, you're taking people off. Uh, if you've given me a list of names, there's a good chance I've taken people off of that list by now because they told me to uh, explicitly. And <laughs> please don't call me. <laughs> okay, listen, I'm not here to bother you. I'm just trying to see if you want to make some money. This is a working document. Now, you may take somebody off, but you may meet somebody this, this week at the gas station or at the grocery store. When you're running appointments, somebody across the table may be added to your list of names. So it's a working document. And as you're building this document, consider the following. Just a little name jogger here. Friends, neighbors, relatives, church members, fellow employees, club members, past associates, Christmas card list, wedding invitation list if you're married, classmates, anyone you admire. Anyone you admire. I'll let you write these down quickly, but this really that list is really just kind of get your mind going and thinking about, about who you would put on your list. Uh, I would say really don't discriminate. I'll talk about that in a second. Who are the top five people you think would want to do this? Anytime I'm talking about what we do, I oftentimes I'll tell people, who are your five bar fighting buddies? I mean, if you're in a bar fight right now and you're, you need help, who are the five friends that you want in that bar right now to support you? Because that's who we need to tell about this opportunity. If all five of them agree that this is not a good deal, don't do it. That's your bar fighting buddies. You trust them with your life. Now, on the other hand, if one of them thinks you should do it, you better get your license and get going quick, right? Because that person is going to do it too, 
Okay. So who are the top five people that you, that you think I call them the bar fighting buddies? Maybe you're, you know, two o'clock in the morning and, and you need somebody to bail you out of jail. Who would you call? These are the people we need to talk to. Those are the ones you trust. That's who we want to talk to. Not the ones you don't trust. Okay. Who do I know that? Here's some more name joggers, just some memory joggers. Who do I know that will answer my call? I respect, shows genuine concern for other people. People seem, always seem to like, is a professional, is in clubs and various group organizations, teaching position, deals with the public, is in a management position, is looking for more out of life, is considered a leader, is intelligent, responsible, and ambitious. Well, I know somebody that's intelligent and responsible. They're not ambitious. Okay. Well, I know somebody that's ambitious, but they're dumb as a rock. Great. Like, let's, it's, <laughs> This, I'm, those were commas, right? That's, that's, the, that's the conjunction. Uh, it, it could be all of those or any one of those is fine. It could be and or, okay? Um, moving on. Once you have that list of names, you're going to rank them. Now, this is where I encourage you don't discriminate. You'd be shocked, and I'll just use names as an example, but you'd be shocked how many times I've called somebody and they go, no, I don't know a Marty Doge, but I'm sure glad you called. I need to make some extra money. Or they'll say, you know what? There's no way Marty, I'm just, as an example, there's no way Marty would have known this. My wife and I just this morning were discussing and praying about making a little extra money in the household budget so we can make ends meet. Don't judge. What we're doing is ranking. That's different than judging. We're prioritizing. Okay. So um, I, I call them six pointers. For 20 years, this is how I judge. It's not, I don't, when you go to one of our conventions, what you'll see is success doesn't have a certain look because there's some goofy looking people that have made a lot of money with us. There are some beautiful people that have made a lot of money with us. There are many different colors, many different shapes, only a couple of different genders, but there's, there's, there's a lot of it. Just, there's, there's so much diversity as who can be successful here, but, but you're looking for these six pointers to kind of rank them. Number one, age 25 and up, I'd say 25 to 45 is ideal. Now, if you're younger than 25 or older than 45, we're not putting you down. Don't see this as discrimination. We're saying you just wouldn't get a point. When we go through these six pointers, when I was originally on somebody's list years and years and years ago, I was one of these six. So don't discriminate because we do pretty good, right? And, and the people who hired me, had they stayed around, would have done pretty good too. They didn't stick around. But 25 to 45, why 25 to 45? Well, you know, I'm 43 now. and um, Forever, people told me, when you cross over 40, <laughs> it gets bad, right? And I, I didn't believe them. The year I turned 40, I threw my back out, put my underwear on. <laughs> Heather found me in a closet. Oh, <laughs> I'm laying on the floor. So what is wrong with you? I threw my back out, put on my underwear. That was, that's 40, okay? At 41, I stood up from my desk and um, blew out my Achilles, uh, just <laughs> standing up from my desk. I went to the doctor. The nurse was like, how'd you mess up your Achilles? I said, I stood up from my desk. She said, that's crazy. I said, that's nothing. A year ago, I threw my back out, putting on my underwear. She goes, no shit. I said, oh. <laughs> she goes, oh, just like that. I said, you're fine. You're okay saying that to me? She said, I can't believe this is the worst. I said, I turned 40. She goes, oh, there you go. She made note. You know, write, write my file. He's over 40. Um, playing basketball last, last year with my son and, and his friend, 13 and 15, I'm playing basketball. I'm hooping it up. I'm showing them dad still got it. I go left to go around them. Even now I can feel it. And all of a sudden, um, it, one of the kids threw a baseball at my calf, or at least that's what it felt like. Cause I scream out in agony and they're looking at me like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's like, they didn't do it. Well, I said, what did you throw at me? They're like, 
nothing. There's, there's neighbors walking by with a dog, and they look back, and they're, oh, it's just a 40-year-old playing basketball. Like, <laughs> he's screaming in pain because that's what you do over 40. I understand crossover 50, crossover 60, crossover 70. It keeps getting worse. So 25 to 45 is ideal. These people have energy. They've been in the workplace long enough to know it's not what they want to do with the rest of their life. Uh, they want to do something of their own, but they, they, they still have everything together. They haven't fallen apart yet. I'm kind of being a little funny with it, but it's also fairly true. Okay. Uh, number two, married, but I'm single fits. I'm not saying this is discriminating. I'm just saying you get a check mark if you're married. It's not, it's not saying that you're better than anybody. It's, these are priorities. Married means I'm responsible for somebody else in this world, not just myself. Children, you get a check mark for children. You have kids. Again, it's about responsibility. I've heard it said that if you want to make somebody work harder, get them in debt. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I like getting people out of debt. But when you get children, man, you, get, you wake up in the morning, they just, they're just standing there like they want to eat. You know, like, you're going to feed me? Oh, no, I guess I have to feed you. You need to wear clothes and probably should, you know, go to school and stuff like that. Number four, employed with 30000 plus income a year. Now, uh, I understand that across the country, 30000 can mean different things. Uh, there's parts of the country you live like a king at 30000 There's parts of the country you're living under a bridge with $30,000. Uh, but employed having a little bit of income in means they're not so desperate to make the sales. And when somebody's desperate to make sales, they make bad decisions that usually break the law. So uh, employed with 30000 or more in income. Number five, own a home. Again, responsibility. I got a mortgage payment to, pay, to, to make. That's why I got to go. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time is the movie Rounders. And uh, it's a movie about uh, playing poker. Uh, Matt Damon was, uh, was in it. Um, great movie. I love that movie. But one of, the, one of his mentors, you see the movie? One, I just love the movie. One of his mentors in the movie was like, I, I don't play poker because I'm trying to win some championship. I play poker because I owe. Like, I got rent. I got child support. I got to eat. That's why, I, that's why I work, right? Well, that's why people work. They own a home. Number six, healthy. Looking for somebody that's healthy. Again, back to the 25 to 45. I mean, when, when you're healthy, when your health is together, life is so much easier and so much happier when you're, when you're healthy, when you have your health. Now, when I was on somebody's list originally, I was 17, single, no kids. I was employed, not really 30,000. I did not own a home. I was healthy. It's all I had going for me when I was, when I was first on somebody's list. So don't eliminate the one pointers. This is not to discriminate. This is not to judge. This is to rank. This is prioritize. We want to start with the sixes and then go to the fives because the sixes, the odds are in their favor that they're going to see success here. So you're going to want to start with a higher probability people and then work your way down the list. Now there is an easy way of putting together this list. Many people have done this. If you have an iPhone or an Android, you can just straight up back your contacts into a spreadsheet. Back them up. Uh, once you do, kick out the ones you don't want to talk to about this. Like the 95-year-old that's on a, a fixed income may not be interested in doing this. Uh, your friend who is confined to their home for whatever health conditions, it's not going to work for them. They, they can't be confined to the home. They have to leave their home to go make sales. Um, whenever I get this list, people will send this to me and I start working it. And by the way, if you do that, I will work it. Happy to. Uh, what I do is start kicking out the people that you forgot to kick out, like Domino's Pizza or American Red Cross uh, Relief Fund. Like all these things that people have in their phone, I'm not calling American Red Cross Relief Fund. I'm not donating this time, right? So uh, I had a, a single lady about a year and a half ago have four different guys labeled as creepy uh, in her phone. 
Um, and I, I, I took them out because, you know, creepy. If she doesn't feel safe with them around, then I, shouldn't, I shouldn't call them. Besides, what am I going to do when I call them? Hey, creepy, this is Fitz. Like, I, don't, I didn't know their name. Uh, but in retrospect, maybe I should have kept them. She ended up not getting her license, and we all know creepy don't quit. So uh, I, I should have maybe should have kept creepy around for a little bit longer. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you can back this up iPhone or Android. Um, it, it's, uh, and if, if you're watching this video later and you, you need instructions for this, we got them. Don't worry about it. We, we can hook you up. Uh, but ultimately you're going to put that spreadsheet, email it to your manager, mentor, or me. Uh, if I may be all those anyway to you, uh, and we'll get to work on them. Next phone call, check interest. Um, the script for calling list to check interest. I, if I have somebody in front of me that's giving me that list, I'm going to probably call because I want that person to see what I'm doing with their contacts. Uh, it's, a, it's a chance for me to earn trust. It's also an opportunity for me to teach somebody else while I'm doing. I love teaching while I'm doing. Uh, and I, ideally, I would do that. But a lot of times people give me the list. They don't have any desire to be around while I'm working it. And so I'll just text because um, texting is more... Um, efficient. And it typically is more effective. I don't necessarily answer phone calls from people who call me. I don't have their number in my phone. Uh, but if they text me, I'm going to look at that text, right? So uh, and I won't go through all the stats, but texting right now, people are more likely to respond to a text than, than, te than phone call or email. They're more likely to do that. That's why I go with texting. So this script is either a phone script or it's a texting script either way. Uh, but I will call them, let's say ring, ring. Hello, uh, John. Yes. John, my name is Fitz. Uh, Bob gave me your name and number and said you might be able to help me. Do you have just a second? Sure do. What's up? Well, I own a life insurance agency in Dallas, Texas. We've done a ton of marketing all over the country. We currently have more people asking to buy than we have that can go sell them. Simple, right? Now, what if you're making this call? Well, I work with an insurance agency out of Dallas. Like, I really legitimately have an insurance agency. We do $20 million a year life insurance premium. Like, that's for real. If you are, you know, personal production and you're doing five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a month, you don't necessarily have an agency, but it's okay to say you work with one. That's fine. You don't have to be the man. We've done a ton of marketing all over the country. Currently have more people asking to buy than we have that can go sell them. I'm looking for full-time help, part-time help, anytime help. Pays about $500 for sales starting out, and we will teach you how to do what we do. Here's the question. Does that sound like something you can help us with or at the very least have a longer conversation about? Just that simple. I'm not, if they say no, well, no worries, John. Who do you know that could help us? I mean, if they say no, I'm going to throw a Hail Mary pass. Maybe I get a touchdown. Who knows? And occasionally, I mean, about one out of 10 times, I get somebody say, yeah, my sister, or you know what? My next door neighbor is looking for something. Here's his name and number. I get that at one out of 10 times. I'll get that. Uh, someone looking for a new job, part-time income, potential business opportunity, start getting a list of names from them if you can. But a lot of times people say yes. So I say, great. I don't have the time right now to get into the details, but I'd like to schedule a time to talk for about 30 minutes. I'll also send you a quick video about our company so you can have some background information before our conversation. And now I book the appointment. And this appointment is like a first date. Nobody gets married on the first date. You're just kind of checking each other out, see if there's interest in a second date, right? So that's, that's really all we're doing. I'm looking to see if there's interest in a second. If I don't like them, I'm not going to bring them on board. If they don't like me, they're not going to come on board, right? Pretty simple. So now we're into step three, the interview. I do have videos out there about the interview. Uh, 
you go to our site, you can see it. It's www.fitzgroup.org slash interviewing basics. You do have to have access to our site to access that video. So I'm not going to go into depth today about that conversation I'm having with people, but I will show you my outline. Actually, it's funny this morning in the shower, I was remembering a dream. I think I had a couple of nights ago and it was really kind of a terrifying dream. I mean, I'm being serious. I was in a movie and I had a lot of script to memorize and say in the movie. And I started my, in my dreams, my palms were sweating. I woke up and my palms were sweating. I was seriously nervous about this. I don't do well with scripts. It's funny because I do have a really good memory. Like I remember everything except a freaking script. I can't remember that for nothing. So I'm not, um, I'm not big on scripts. I think more in terms of me, maybe you love scripts. Okay. I got a script for you on that video, but, um, I think more in terms of outlines. I think more in terms of flow charts. Like if this happens, here's my choices. You know, yes, go this way. No, go this. Like I, I think more in terms of that rather than scripts. Um, if that's you, then here's my outline. I'll show you. <laughs> my interviewing outline. By the way, this is how sales work. When we first moved to Dallas, uh, my mentor did not come to Dallas to help me for six months. I was on my own. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I grabbed on to Brian Tracy cassette tapes and Zig Ziglar cassette tapes. Old school where you have, you know, 12 cassette tapes in one of those plastic clam cases, you know, that open and close. And maybe you're riding down the road listening to one of the tapes. It ticks you off. I'd roll it down and throw the tape out the window. I later had to replace them because I realized I still want that tape. It just it made me mad temporarily. Uh, but that's how I learned to sell. And uh, my, what I, what I, when I, when I was, studying Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar, I put together what I call sales 101, which is this outline. Now I'm not taking credit for it. Maybe somebody's put it together in this outline before I learned it by listening to Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar and putting it into an outline that I could follow repeatedly. So whether you're in the home selling or whether you're hiring, this is the sales outline. This is how every sales, every sale is made relationship. You're looking to build a connection. You're trying to find things you have in common. This is not when you discuss politics. It's not when you discuss religion. It's not when you discuss the Me Too movement. It, you, nothing controversial. You're looking for things in common, right? Uh, you get to know this person over years. Maybe you discuss those things. It's wonderful. We've had great relationships with people who are nothing like us uh, and learned from each other, but that's not on the initial conversation. You're looking for things you have in common. If I'm on the phone with somebody and they mentioned they were in the, the Navy or the Air Force, well, I'll talk about my dad who was in the Navy. That's something in common. If I'm talking to somebody on the phone and they're in the Marines or Special Forces, well, I'll talk about my brother who was an airborne ranger in the Army. By the way, somebody's in the Navy, if they're not Special Forces, you don't really brag about your brother in Special Forces, right? Because the, the, if they're Marines, you don't talk about your dad being in the Navy because the Marines are like, yeah, we appreciate the Navy. They take us to the fight. Like, I'm... This is, I'm not trying to, this is how people, they, they, so you're looking for things in common. Just understand those dynamics are going on there. Uh, number two, you're identifying the need. You're trying to figure out why they would need to come work with us. What do we have that they need? This is what you're, and this is only going to come about by asking questions. Again, I go into more detail in that other video. But the, uh, the, here are the needs. Somebody coming on board here, they have one of these five needs. Either they need a market to sell to. Like maybe they're used to doing Medicare supplements or health insurance enrollments during a certain period of time of the year. They're looking for something the rest of the year. Uh, companies, you know, market for, for uh, uh, licensed people, they, they may have already been in like the Medicare market I was telling you about. But uh, non-licensed people might like, might like to know that we're in the market of selling life insurance. <laughs> this is something that people are guaranteed to use. Like they may, basic stuff like that. Companies, 
non-licensed licensed people like to hear that we have companies that have products that get issued. Non-licensed people don't know about all those things. They like to know that we represent name brands like Mutual of Omaha and uh, Transamerica. Some of these names they may have heard of before. Number three, leads. Licensed people repeatedly are looking for leads. <laughs> That's like their number one thing. I need leads, right? Non-licensed people that you're talking to, they may say, I'm so grateful. I don't have to reach out to my friends and family and try to sell them something else. I've already done all the parties at the house with the burping of the stuff and the makeup and, you know, the, the Tupperware burping. That's what that was. Um, I've done all those parties. I don't have any friends left. I'm sick of it. Well, we got leads, the, the, right? Number four, support. A lot of licensed people have said to us, man, if I'd had this level of training and support where I was before, I'd have stayed there. Like the training and support that we offer is not uh, common in the industry. Non-licensed people like to know that even though they don't know how to do what we do, we are systematic about teaching them how to do it and we'll be there for them. Number five need is money. And really it's the opportunities for building, not just the opportunities for sales, but I can build something. Most people don't wake up every morning with the, the, the thought of, Oh, good. Maybe I get to sell life insurance today. Like no, when I was a kid, I didn't play insurance agent. Did you? No, that's weird. We played war. We pumped a BB gun twice. It was a two pump limit, but we always went about five or six. That stuff hurt, man. I literally saw a kid get his eye put out. It got put back in all good, but it was gross for a little bit. Um, <laughs> we didn't play insurance agent, right? Most people don't. I always wanted to own my own business. So somebody said, and this is what happened. Hey man, go get your license. Let's sell some insurance. I said, no. Like nothing against selling insurance. It's not what I want. I want to build a business. But then I was convinced that I was broke and they make $500 a sale and it was worth it. So I got it. But then, but then I could build the business side. So if people have that need, that desire. If they don't have one of those five needs, we don't have a, a, a match. We just don't have a fit. So once you identify the need, fill it. I've had people, <laughs> people hear me do interviews, that's what we we'll call it, the phone, the, the interview, they'll hear me do these interviews, they go, you didn't tell that person everything. And I go, man, no crap. Have you told your kid everything? <laughs> like, I mean, our 13-year-old, we're actually starting to get into more real conversations, but uh, until recently, I mean, I used to always say this thing, my 13-year-old doesn't, doesn't even know about sex trafficking. Can you believe that? Well, why would I have a reason to tell him? Well, now he's asked questions about it and we've had to talk about it. So <laughs> we crossed that threshold for those who've been watching the drama play out over the last 10 years. Um, but th the point is, no, I I'm not going to talk about all these things with people because most of them don't matter. You may be making that same mistake when you're running personal production because you're all excited about selling index ULs and the person just wants an accidental life policy. You're in there trying to push an IUL on them and you don't make either sale because you're not talking about what they want to talk about. Simple. Number four, close a deal. Fast track them, bam, fam them. That's book a meeting from a meeting and referrals. So I know I've closed the deal when I've scheduled them for another appointment, hopefully within 24 hours, maybe 48. And that next appointment is either to get them signed up for school to get their license or it's to get contracted with at least one of our carriers. What I do is send them instructions for how to complete the background um, information that we need them to complete, the onboarding information, name, address, phone number, all the real basic stuff. I send them instructions for doing that. 99% of the time, they do that before our next conversation. If they don't, we say, hey, take five minutes to do it. We'll call you back in five minutes because we want to be efficient with their time. That's why we send it to them ahead of time to complete before that contracting conversation. Okay, that's the basic outline of the interview. The video I do that I referred you to is much more detailed on that. But then follow up properly. Follow-up is where we lose people. 
This is where people fall through the cracks. A lot of people who are hiring agents think the whole point is to hire an agent. That's not the whole point. The whole point is to, because just the hiring process costs money. Like it, it costs time, but, but we're trying to get that person up and going. We're trying to get them to start making some sales, maybe even building an agency, uh, referring to people to us and, and getting the override income going. So just getting them on board, you're not done. You just started, right? So follow up is where we lose people. Get them scheduled into the assembly line. Uh, we have other videos about that, about the assembly line and getting agents started. You can go see that on the website as well. Uh, but it's, it's a systematic approach to getting people up and going. Now, the assembly line doesn't get people up and going, but it organizes getting people up and going. Uh, a lot of times people fall through the cracks because, well, we didn't think about scheduling them a conversation to, to teach them the phone script. <laughs> well, the assembly line is ordered, okay? Uh, bam, fam, book a meeting from a meeting. The key to that assembly line is that we're, we know when we're done with this conversation, we know when the next conversation is. That's magic, okay? It, that's how you don't lose people. That's how they don't fall through the cracks. If somebody can't meet for that next meeting, fine, but let's go ahead and schedule something now before I get you off the phone. Like we're going ahead and getting them rescheduled. Whenever you talk with a new agent, make sure of where they are in the process. If they're falling through the cracks, help get them back on the right track. New agent comes on board. I'm often having a conversation with them. And I'm asking them, have you learned about the phone script yet? Have you learned how to fill out an application yet? Oh, you have. Great. Have we gone over the leads with you and how those work? Have we talked about how the commissions work? Did anybody tell you about override income? I'm constantly asking these questions. And a lot of times um, when I'm talking to somebody we have in our system, I can see the date that things were completed. So I can just look at it and I know they completed it, but I ask them anyway, because maybe we completed that task, but they're not aware of it. <laughs> and if you're not aware of learning the phone script, we have us a problem. So I want to make sure you know it. Can I help you build your override income? I asked the question, has anybody told you about making overrides here? Yet, yeah, no, they haven't. Well, let me tell you how it works. And I tell them about my story of getting started in 1999 selling insurance. And then I hired my first agent. He was 50. I was 23. He made 500 bucks. I got paid 50. I got excited because I could see a business coming out of that. I tell that story over and over and over again. I go, does that sound like something you'd want to do? Does that sound interesting to you? Again, I've got that in that video. All this stuff is in there. But um, if they want the override income, help get them on these four basics. Walk them through this process. Somebody wants to build an override income, I'll go, great, listen, I'll do all the heavy lifting, but let's put together some names that I can call for you. It's all about speed of trust. If you want to run ads, great. We have a whole system we can help set you up on. But I can get people started faster that you know because, because you trust me, they trust me because they trust you. And that transfer of trust happens. Speed of Trust, written by Stephen Covey. Check out that book. But it, it goes so much faster that way. And I can get that override income up and running while you're getting the sales income up and running. I show them how to download the, the, the contacts into a spreadsheet. I start working that list and we cycle back around and start the four basics all over again. And it's just lather, rinse, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat. Super boring, but really effective in making lots of money. A recruit isn't a recruit until he has a recruit. I was told this 20 years ago. My mentor said, if you hire somebody, they haven't really come on board until you've helped them hire somebody because we're in the business of helping people make money. And uh, I love, my friend Joe says, we're in the business of showing people how to make money off of insurance companies, either through our products or through our commissions. I love that quote. I use it all the time now. Uh, but if I'm in the business of helping somebody make money, 
I can't do the sales part for them, but I can do the override part for them. So if I'm really doing my part in helping that person make money, I got to help them hire because I can't make the calls for them. If I'm going to make the calls, I'm going to do it at my commission level, not yours <laughs> and not a split. Does that make sense? So I can do the override side. So you hire somebody, they're not really on board until you've helped somebody get on board. Hope that helps. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's timewithfitz.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with the Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.